Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you. We're so glad that you're here. And as you just saw that video, we want to remind you that, you know, tomorrow is all about remembering those people that have given their lives for our country. And, and, and you know, we take freedom for granted. So tomorrow, listen, take some time out to, to think about that and remember. And so we want to do that today as well. But I also want to take the opportunity to say thank you for those that actually have served our, and are serving uh, in our armed forces. So today, if you're here, you know, if, if, if you have served in the armed forces or your spouse has served in the armed forces or you're serving now, would you please stand so we can just recognize you? We want to say thank you so much. Come on, let's give these guys a hand. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. We applaud you. Thank you. You may be seated. And I don't take that lightly because, you know what, this year, uh, out of our church here at SEC, we have had, I think there is about uh, 10 people, 8 to 10 young men and women that have enlisted in the armed forces. So, uh, so anyways, we, again, it's very, we're very sensitive to it here because we appreciate what they do for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I want to say that, you know, and, and that, that just takes me right into what I want to talk to you about. Because we've been going through a series, we, we call it The Power to Change Your Life. And one of the attributes that we're going to talk about today of the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. And you know, I couldn't, I couldn't think of a better topic to talk about on this day because as we celebrate Memorial Day, we, I want to celebrate the faithfulness of those men and women that have given their lives for our country. They were faithful even to the point of giving their lives. And so today, as, as we dive into that, I actually sent out on Facebook this, uh, this past week, and I asked you, I said, you know, would you, uh, I, asked, I asked the question, how would you describe faithfulness? And, and here's some of the, the responses I got back. Again, thank you for all you that did respond. I couldn't put everybody's response down. But here's some words that you said. I didn't want to just give you my definition, what I thought it was. I want to hear from you. And here's some things that, that was said. It says this, faithfulness means to never give up. Also, it says faithfulness means remaining loyal to someone. Another person said faithfulness means remaining true. Another person put this, faithfulness means being there no matter what. Another one wrote this, uh, faithfulness means believing in something. This next one, look at these next two words. Faithfulness means all in. I was like, wow, that's so true. And then another person wrote, faithfulness means knowing and trusting God. So all those are definitions that, that you gave, that many of you gave uh, of what faithfulness is. And I would just say an amen to that. I'm just like, amen, you know, that's right. 
But this morning, I want to ask you the question. The question that I have to ask myself and, and that I think you need to ask yourself is why do I want to be faithful? You know, why should I want to be faithful? And the question that I, is, I've circled around this question, and, and as you're going to circle around it today, the question that, that I ask is why do I want to be faithful? I think the answer to that question is for me, and hopefully it will become for you, is because God is faithful. Would you agree with that, that God is faithful? The Bible declares that you can trust God. That when everything else is going awry, that you can trust God. As a matter of fact, in Psalms 33 and 4, look what it says. It says this, the Bible says, For the word of the Lord is right and true. Would you read what's underlined with me? Come on, let's read it out loud. Here we go. He is faithful in all he does. You can trust God. You know, we have what we call here at SCC, what we call our core four, like connecting with God and his family, growing in God's character, serving in God's church, and sharing God's message. Well, growing in God's character, the, the thing that we have to grow in is faithfulness because God is faithful. That's God's character. And so today as we dive into this, I want, I want to just begin to stir that within you today to remind you that faithfulness is a fruit of God's Spirit. Now, would you agree with me that when we are faithful, it makes life less stressful? Would you agree with that? I mean, I'm thinking about those terms. When you do what you say you're going to do, there's not the stress of worrying about what you didn't do, right? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, like when you tell somebody, oh, I got to do this, I got to do this, and you commit to doing that, and you don't do it, you don't follow through, then you've got to start coming up with all the excuses as to why you didn't do it, right? And it's all this stress goes up. But here's what I want to show. So when we are faithful, stress goes down. But when we're unfaithful, when we don't keep our word, then stress goes way up, right? Because we have to keep trying to cover our tracks a little bit. So what I'm trying to tell you today, today is that what we're going to talk about is that if you get this down, your stress is going to go down. And that's what we all want in our lives. I keep telling, hear people saying, I just need less stress in my life. And so that's what's going to happen. All right. So I want to talk to you today, how do, how do we become faithful? How to be a faithful person? And so the first thing I want to start off with is number one, I left some blanks there, so you have to write this down. The first one is honor your marriage. Honor your marriage. Now, while you're writing that down, I always, when I talk about marriage, and I'm going to talk about the way I'm going to talk about it today, I always like to preference this and say this. I'm not talking about your past, okay? Listen, I'm talking about your future. Maybe, maybe you've been through a divorce, or you know, maybe, you're, maybe you're here today and your parents have been through a divorce and you felt like it was your fault, and every time you hear this, you think about the past. No, 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 no. Think about the future, Okay, so we can't, you know God can't even change your past. You know that. And people say, what can God, God can do anything. He can do anything, but he cannot change your past. But God wants to build your future. And so what I'm about to talk to you about, he's talking about from day one. So I ain't talking about past relationships. I'm talking about right now, wherever you are right now, okay? So I'm talking to your future. So be faithful in marriage, <clears throat> It's, I'm going to have a great opportunity this afternoon. Mr. Harold Rogers is among us, and he's getting married this afternoon to a wonderful lady by the name of Sheila. 
This afternoon at 7.30, I'm going to get to stand before them, and I'm going to, I'm going to lead them in vows. And these vows that they're going to commit to each other, I mean, I'm actually, he doesn't know this, but I'm going to make them take a razor and cut their fingers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just freaked him out just a moment. Blood covenants, you know. But this is after, they're going to stand and they're going to make covenants to each other. They're going to say, I do. They're going to say, I'm going to commit to you. I'm going to love. I'm going to cherish you until death do us part. And they're going to make all those commitments before each other. And what they're saying is, you can count on me. I'm going to be faithful. That's what they're going to say this afternoon. Many of us in this room have done that. We said we're going to be faithful. But let me just tell you something. You know, you don't have to be unfaithful in your marriage with the act of adultery to be unfaithful. Many people think that, okay, well, the only way that I'm unfaithful is I commit adultery. No, 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 no. Anytime that we prioritize something above our marriage, we're being unfaithful. God created relationships this way. Number one, it was God. He says he's number one, and then marriage is number two. That's it. God number one, marriage number two, and then everything else comes under, under beneath that. And so many times that we're unfaithful because we begin to prioritize things over our marriage, such as, you know, like maybe it's, a, you know, maybe it's a, a hobby, sports. You know, if you put that before your marriage, then you're being unfaithful. Or maybe it's children's activities, our kids' activities. We put that over marriage, and guess what? We're being unfaithful. It can even be social media. I mean, like, how many times do you, have you been to dinner lately? I challenge you, go to a restaurant, go to dinner, and look at how many couples are sitting across from each other doing this. Scrolling up and down their phone instead of, instead of being with each other. Anything, if social media begins to be a priority over marriage, Rhonda and I have this time, we've done it for years, is, is that every night at 9 o'clock, we come, we come and sit down on the sofa beside each other. I mean, we sit beside each other where I can hold her hand and she can rub my bald head. <laughs> TMI, right? Too much information. But you know, we sit beside each other and we have that time from 9 to 10 o'clock and there's none of this scrolling on Facebook. Why? Because we understand that we have to keep that a priority. And I just want to share that with you today. You see, uh, Hebrews 13 and 4, the Bible says it this way. Love, uh, it says this, marriage should be what? Honored. Honor. What do you think about when you think of honor? I mean, you think salute. Just like we think of our soldiers as we honor you, thank you, that married people should be honored. He said, he said should be honored. Marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. So what is he saying? He's saying to honor means what? It means to value. There's, in our house right now, we have a... We have a, uh, uh, a chest that's there, you know, like a, like a little box that Rhonda's great-grandmother had. It was in, from the 1800s, and they were, they were very poor people, and they were, uh, her, her grandfather, great-grandfather was a sharecropper, 
And so the good clothes that they had that they would wear to church on Sunday went into this little box. And right now in our house, her, her, her grandmother passed away, and so her father gave this to Rhonda. And so in our house right now, we have that, that chest there. And every time that someone comes to our, our home, I, I walk them in and, you know, and I start telling them the history of these pieces of furniture. And Rhonda says, Jeff, you're blowing that story way out of proportion. Because I've got that story now that they were on a wagon train across. <laughs> I don't know. She's like, Jeff, you're like sort of stretching that, aren't you? I thought, like, I don't know. But anyways, it's a good story. It's getting better. So by the time you come by my house, it'll be like, have a cup of coffee because it's going to take a while. But we treasure that. We honor. We value that. And so it shows value. It's respectful. And, and so to honor something is not only that, but it's also to take very seriously. And the Bible is serious about love, and it's about honor, and that's what we should do to be faithful. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, 7 and 8. The Bible talks about being dependable. Look what it says. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, Always what? Perseveres. That's what love does. It perseveres. And would you read the last three words out loud with me? Come on, let's read them together. Love never fails. It never fails. Because it's dependable. It's faithful. It, it, it just keeps on keeping on. Like the Energizer Bunny just keeps on keeping on. That's what love does. See, being loving means that I am dependable. But the reverse of that is true is that when I become unreliable, that means I am being unloving. When you can't be counted on, it means that you're being unloving. See, here's what we understand at SEC is that we always want to try to do what we say we're going to do, especially in our marriages. Listen, man, I just want to say something I have to work on. I'll be honest with you. There's been many, many times... I get caught up with, with something, a meeting or, or, or something. And I tell Rhonda, like, you know, hey, I'm going to be home in 30 minutes. And then 30 minutes turns into to an hour and a half. So when I, you know, it got for a while to where when I say, hey, I'm going to be home, I'll be home in 15 minutes. She's like, oh, really? Now, is that 15 minutes for real or is that 15 minutes your time? So I've had to learn to change my verbiage. And I've tried to say, no, when I'm, it's going to be this time and I, I'm, I'm going to be walking in the door at that time. Because it's dependable. So unreliable is unloving. Dependable is loving. And so let your word be your word. Don't let it fail. And let me just say this to you. I thank God because of you, our church here. We have some of the most dependable people in the whole world. And I want to say thank you for that. You know, all the people that serve every week at SEC, you make an impact. That's why we call it our impact team. It's because you're so dependable. You know, even on weekends like this, Memorial Day weekend, we're not sweating it because those people that said, hey, I'm going to be here, I'm going to do this, are here and they do this. And I want to say thank you. We fight for marriages at SEC. You know that. We fight for that. We want to help you. Why? Because here's the deal. 
as, the, as, as our marriages go, so go our families. And as our families go, so goes our church. And as the church goes, so goes the community. And so the best thing that we can do to, to help our community and make it better is that we begin to strengthen our marriages. And we strengthen our marriages, we strengthen our families, we strengthen our churches, and, and the end result, our communities are stronger. You know, listen, we see a lot of stuff about we need to help our communities. Let me tell you the best thing we do for our communities is that we keep mamas and daddies in homes together with their children. That's the best thing that we can do for our communities. Amen? Amen. Again, I'm speaking the future. That's the best thing that we can do. Okay, number two. Would you ready to write this down? Number two, manage your money. Manage your money. This is faithfulness. God has given us all resources. He's given us all resources. And what we do with our resources and with our money proves if we're faithful to God or not. I want to um, read to you what Jesus said here in Luke 16. Jesus said this, And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, why don't you circle that worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of what? Of heaven. Once you circle the true riches of heaven. Because there's a, Jesus said there, there's, there's something to do with that, that, that money's a trust. How you handle your wealth is a trust. I don't know about you, but I had to think about this. I had to ask God, help me understand this. Because what are heavenly riches? What are those? I mean, like, okay, worldly wealth. Jesus said if you're untrusted with worldly wealth, then you're not going to get heavenly riches. So what are heavenly riches? Do you know what heavenly riches are? They're things that you can't do for yourself. They're things that when, you, when you're praying, you're like, God, I need you to answer this prayer because I can't do it. And so would you agree with me that an answered prayer is a heavenly riches? Would you agree with that? For God to do, God to do something for you. So I, I actually wrote this statement down, and I, I'm, I'm putting it up on the screen now. I want you to read it with me. Look at what it says. Let's read it together. You ready? Money is a test to see if God can trust me with the heavenly blessings I am asking for. You see that? Why would God give you more if you can't handle what you've got? And so what you have, listen, and he's, Jesus said when you, when you handle well what you have, then God, when you pray for more, God will actually give you more. Because he can trust you with it. And so that's, under, listen, People pray, you know how people come by here sometimes and say, hey, pastor, would you pray on my lottery ticket? By the way, I'm giving you 10%, pastor. Are you kidding me? The first person I want to ask that person, are you already giving 10%? Because if I can't trust you with what you already have, then surely I can't trust you with $10 million. See what I'm talking about? And so I'm like, man, listen, so if God blesses you with, with a million dollars and you can't handle, you can't handle the, the $50,000 that you're getting now, then how in the world are you, what are you, you're going to be in a bigger mess. And so Jesus said, when you learn to handle what you got and live on what you got, then you're going to do it. Now, here's three questions that you can ask yourself to say, how am I doing? The first one is this, am I returning a tithe to God? That's the first question. The second one is this, am I paying me? Am I, paying, am I putting money into a savings? Am I paying me? 
And the third question is, am I paying my bills on time? In that order, am I returning God what is God's? And then I'm paying me. See, so many people in this room are not, not paying yourself. You see, I learned a long time ago, I got to pay me. I think me is the worth, worth paying. Don't you? I mean, what I'm saying by that is that I'm not going to give forward all that I owe me. I'm not going to give Delta Credit Union who, who uh, you know, I, they finance my homes. I'm not going to give them what I owe me. If, if Listen, when, before I buy, I say, okay, is this going to take my money? Because I think I deserve 10% of my income. Do you? I, I, I think I think I've worked hard. I think I deserve 10% of my income. And so what I try to do is I say, okay, I'm going to give God his first, and then I'm going to pay me. And I've been paying me for a long time, and I like it because I don't like to be broke. Do you like being broke? The reason that many people are broke and upset, do you know that the number one reason for divorce is, is finances? Because people are broke. Because what we said was, okay, well, I know about God's part. I know, and I'm just going to feel guilty about that. But, uh, you know, but i got to pay all these people. No, no, no. Before you buy the car, before you buy the house, you say, can I give God his, and can I pay me? Can I pay me at least 10% of my income, and then after that, I'll buy whatever i got to buy? And then you're not broke. I just like it. I just don't want life to be broke. And so today, if you get what I am just told you right there, if you get that and you go back and rework your budget, and you begin to pay you, take care of God first, and then you take care of you, and then you can take care of everything else, you're going to be one happy person. It's going to take you about six months to a year, but you'll be one happy person. Pay you. Okay? I know that most pastors be up here talking about God's part, but you, I believe you got that, okay? But I don't believe you got paying you. All right, let's, let's talk about how do you pay God anyways? How do you give God his back? Okay, 1 Corinthians 16 tells us this. Once you write, get your pen out. Once you write one, two, three, here's what happens. How do you give to God? First of all, he says this, on every, every Lord's Day, why don't you just put one on that? That means you do it regularly. You don't do it, you do it systematically. It's being faithful. It's not being spontaneous or spasmatic. And then he goes, each of you should put aside something you have earned during the week. That's number two. It's planned giving. You plan your giving to God. You know, Rhonda and I sit down and say, okay, what are we going to give to God? And we plan that. And we did it with, we have done it with our tithing forever, but we did it with our I will initiative. We planned that. We sit down, we planned out what we're going to give. And so it's not, you know, like a waitress comes to your table and, you know, we're going to tip them, but are they going to get a 10% or are they going to get a 20%? It depends on how they, they're doing. And many times we think that's like God. Well, we'll just, if he's doing good to me, then I'll give him, you know, this. And if he's not doing so good, then I ain't going to give him this. And so, you know, but you plan that out. You plan that out. And then he goes on to say this. He says, the amount, uh, the amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. So that, is, that principle is percentage. God's percentage. Now, God knew that we all would need to know where do we start at. 
And so for those of you that this, this is a little new to you, is God says, you start out giving me 10%. That's the starting point, 10%. And so when you do that, he promises to take care of you and bless you in ways that you cannot imagine. And so, listen, there's, I'm not going to stand up here and try to make you feel bad or whatever. All I'm going to tell you, do, if, listen, it's like chocolate cake. I can tell you how good it is, but until you try it, you're never going to know. So I'm just giving you the opportunity to try to be obedient to God and look what happens. And by the way, I have pastor friends sometimes that tell me this. They say, you know what? My time is my tithe. Can I tell you this? That's baloney. My time is my time, but my tithe is my tithe. Tithe is the first part of my income. And so I want you to know that your pastor here does not feel that way. There is no way I could stand up here and talk to you so freely about this if I was not a tither. Ron and I have been doing this for a long time, so I just want to let you know that my time is not my tithe. My time is my time, but my tithe is my tithe. And that's what God told me to give in order that he might bless me. And so I just want you to know that about your pastor is that, you know, that I'm, I'm 100% in on this principle. And, and listen, I wouldn't know how to live without that because we've had to have God's blessings. And so, like, even now, you know, when we're giving our I will offering, many of us uh, are finishing well with that. And Rhonda and I sit down and said, okay, here's our tithe, but we want to give above that. So it was our I will initiative that we committed to. And the reason, you know why we're doing that, by the way, our I will initiative, is because we feel like this. You know what? is that we have to reach back to the next generation. Wasn't it great seeing them young people up here today? Wasn't it just good to see, you know, that, that we hear on the news how bad that next generation is? I want to tell you what, they're not all bad. There's a few people that's making, them, making a lot of them look bad. They're not bad, they're good kids. They're our kids and grandkids, and we love them. And we're providing a church for the next generation. We figured this out, you know, that our community will only get better when our church gets bigger. Did you hear that? Our community gets better when our church gets bigger. Why? Because when the more people that come to Jesus Christ and that live in your neighborhood are going to get better. Jesus makes people better. And the more people that are in our school system, our kids that get saved, the, the more they have of Jesus, then the better they're going to get. So we don't think that you've got to leave a neighborhood to, to, to go to a better one. Matter of fact, listen, let me just tell you something. If you jacked up and you go to another neighborhood, guess what? You're going to make them jacked up. <laughs> so, so listen, we don't try to find better neighborhoods. We make the ones we're in better, right? And so we're not trying to find better schools. We're trying to make the ones we in better. And so the way we do that is share Jesus Christ with our community. When the, when the community, the community will get better when the church gets bigger. So I praise God. Every time I see a church expanding, I say, thank you, Jesus. The community is going to get better when the church gets bigger. And so that's why we're doing it. We say we're investing in the next generation. And so I have this plan for you. It's on the back of the connection card. It's one that I started a long time ago. It's called the 10-10-80 plan. That's that I, I give 10% to God, which Ron and I have added to, our, to that percentage as years have gone by, and we do it through SEC. 10% to God, and then 10% to ourselves. We pay ourselves. And then you get to live on 80%. How cool is that? You say, Pastor Jeff, I can never afford to pay myself 10%. I guarantee you, if tomorrow you went on your job and they cut your pay by 10%, you wouldn't die. 
I bet you, I bet you, you wouldn't miss it. I bet if you went on your job tomorrow and they said, okay, we're cutting your pay by 10%. You can't get another job. You've got to live on that. You'd live on it. So why don't you just go ahead and, and start paying yourselves? Well, I'm hung up on that, aren't I? I just don't want you to be broke. Broke people aren't happy people. All right, okay, I'll move on. I can see it on your faces. Number three, faithfulness is this. Number three is commit yourself to a church. Commit yourself to a church. Faithfulness is coming to a specific local body of Christ. Here's why. I talked about all those soldiers that we're having going out, those, those men and women, those young men and women that are signing up, enlisting for the military in our church. They're going through boot camp. You know what boot camp is all about? To see if they're going to make it or not. See, they're either going to break it or make it. So they're going to, and then also it's about, then they, then they assign you to a platoon. And you know what that's all about? Is to see if you can trust the people around you. Because when you go into battle, you've got to trust those people, right? And so when you go into battle, you've got to know who's around you. So let me tell you something. So it's not like you get into battle and say, okay, I don't want to be around you guys anymore, so I've got to go to another platoon. No, 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 no. You stay with them because you've got to know who's got your back. And the God says the same thing is true with churches, that you've got to be around people that you can get to know. And that means you've got to go through hard times together. That means that you have to have differences together. That means you have to work through problems together. Why? Because there's going to come to a time in your life that you're not going to know what to do with yourself because bad, something bad is going to happen. And you've got to know that these people got your back. And that's what a church family is all about, is knowing that, hey, I got your back, you got my back. And listen, we're going to walk through this thing together. We don't know how we're going to come out, but we're going in it together. And you need somebody like that in your life, and that's why God created the church. The Bible says it this way in Romans 12. And he says, so in Christ we, we who are many form one body. And what? Let's read the last part of this underline. You ready? Each member belongs to all the others. We have spiritual battles. We need each other. You see, in my spiritual battle, I need you. While you're in a spiritual battle, you need me. We all need each other. And that's why we have connect groups in our church. And there's a catalog in there that you can sign up for those. Look at what the Bible says in John 13. Jesus said this. Jesus said this. He says, your strong love for who? Each other. Talking about the church, people in the church, your strong love for each other. Notice these next two words. Why don't you circle them as we read them out loud? You ready? Let's read them. Here we go. Will, will prove. Your strong love for each other will prove. All right, circle that. So your love for each other is going to prove to the world that you are my disciples. In other words, he's saying, if you're not, if you're not connected to a local body of believers, and you're not, you're not there, then you can go out and tell people in the world that don't know Jesus that you're a Christian all day long, and they're not going to believe you. They only believe it that when you're connected to a family of believers. That's the only time that they believe it. Jesus said this, not Jeff. Jesus said that. That when your connection to the body of Christ is what convinces the world that you're a Christ follower. You can say, you know what? Well, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in going to church. The world says, you're nuts. Not that we don't say that to church. The world says that. The world says, oh yeah, right. <laughs> Try that again. 
You see, that's what the world says. It says you're crazy. Matter of fact, they might throw a few other words in there. And that's what Jesus said, you know. So, so hey, if you want to know about SCC, by the way, uh, what we're about, and maybe you're new here, on the back of your connection card, there's the next step on there, that you can sign up to come to our Discovering SEC class that uh, we do. It, it, it's fun, it's exciting, and we just tell you all about our church if you want to be a part of that. Uh, so I would challenge you to do that. Okay, number four is this. Number four, to be faithful of this, is to keep your promises. Keep your promises. I love the Bible. It's this right here just, I mean, it just wears you out. Look what it says. Proverbs 25 and 14. Broken promises are worse than rain clouds that don't bring what? Remember our drought we had a couple years ago? And Rhonda and I, we, our yard was sodded, you know? And we, don't have, we didn't have a sprinkler system in our, in our yard. And so, like, my neighbor's yards are looking good, but mine's looking bad. And I've got my little water hose out there, you know, trying to water stuff. That's no good. Especially if you live on a hill, it all runs to the neighbor's yards. <laughs> so anyways, so I'm trying out there. To, and so I remember standing out in the yard, and we'd look, and, and I see, the, you know, it was summertime, hot. You know, you think you're going to get a thunderstorm. I see a cloud over there. I said, Rhonda, it's clouding up. We're going to get some rain. It's clouding up. And to watch that cloud just go right over with no rain. Disappointing. Give them a little water hose back out, you know. The Bible says this in Proverbs. Well, let me back up and tell you this. One more, i got to tell you this one more thing. Do you keep your promises? Okay. Now, right now, you're probably saying, yeah, I keep my promises. Let me ask you one more question before you get so holy and mighty. All right, here we go. Have you ever told someone you call them back and didn't call them back? It just busted you right there, right? You was feeling good, right? He's like, yeah, I keep my promises. Uh-oh. Your word, your word, you know, your word means something. You do what you say you're going to do, even the little things like that. Do you know the number one problem between parents and children is this? Is resentment. The number one issue between parents and children is resentment. Why? Because parents make promises that they cannot keep. In a moment, just to quieten them up, say, yeah, we'll do that. And then it comes time to do it, and they don't do it. It's gotten so bad, so bad, that we have taught our kids this. Listen, when our kids come in and ask us something, they say, you know, they ask us, will you do this? And they, and they don't just stop there. You say, yeah, and they don't stop there. You say, yeah, but yeah is not good enough. And now they say this. You know what they say? They say, you promise? Yes, I, I promise. I promise. They said, no, no, no. Do you promise, Daddy? Do you promise, Mom? Yes, I promise. They don't stop there, do they? They don't stop there. Oh, they don't stop there. They say, you promise? Yes, I Hope to die? Hope to, hope to die? Hope to, I know that if you don't keep your word, you hope you die? I mean, that's pretty severe. But they don't stop there either, do they? No, they don't stop there. Hope to die. What's your, how did this finish this? What? Stick a needle in your eye? Man! We are, we're, we're teaching them torture. Someone has taught them to torture us. It's not bad enough. I hope you die, but hey, we're going we're gonna to torture you while you die. We're going to stick a needle right in your eye. 
He said, my laying her casket with needles in her eyes. I said, well, they lied to their kids. <laughs> Liars. Our words. Do what you say you're going to do. Look what the Bible says. In Proverbs 25, it says this. Oh, man. Wow. Like a bad tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in times of trouble. Did you hear what the Bible just said? He said the people, the people that are, that are unreliable are a pain. He called us that. When you can't be trusted, when you, when you don't do what you say you do, he says you're a pain in the foot, in the mouth. Just saying, I added that part. But anyways, he didn't say that. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. You got to do what you say you do. You know, there is a, a, a geyser in, uh, in Yellowstone Park. Looks like this. It's called Old Faithful. It's not the biggest. It's not the most powerful. But it is the most visited. You know why? Because it's faithful. Every 60 to 90 minutes, you can count on Old Faithful. It's, it's going to spew up. And there's more people that come to visit that geyser than any other one in the world, even though there, others are more powerful and bigger. But because they know that one's going to go off. Be faithful. Keep your promises. That means that people will come around you more if they can trust what you say. If your actions line up with your words. Now, let me just say this to you. You may be very talented. You may be very educated. You may be very creative. But all of that means nothing if you're not dependable. I had this statement coming up on the screen. I want you to read it with me. Look what it says. Let's read it out loud together. Here it comes. Ready? Let's read this together. The greatest ability is... Let's say it again. You ready? The greatest ability is dependability. Because if you can't be dependent on it, it doesn't matter how gifted or talented you are. We've got to teach that to the next generation, right? If you're not dependable, then it doesn't matter. You, might be, you may be the, sharp, the smartest person in your class or in your field, but, but if you're not showing up, then it doesn't matter. You can't call out 30 times a month. Okay, I'm just saying, I don't know. This last verse here, Galatians, again, this is where we got this here, the power to change your life. Look at this translation, and would you read these first two words out loud with me? Ready? Come on, let's read them out loud. God's Spirit. Come on, let's say it again. You ready? God's Spirit. God's Spirit makes us loving, happy, peaceful, patient, kind, Good and what? So you can't do it on your own. All of this comes from God's Spirit. Makes you that. Keeps you. You know why? Because when you make a commitment, when you make a promise, and you forget about it, all of a sudden, there's something out of nowhere that reminds you of that. It's God's Spirit. He helps you. Keep your word. By the way, let me just tell you this. 
if you do what you got to do now, if you do what you got to do, when you got to do it, there will come a day when you get to do what you want to do when you want to do it. Don't ask me to say that again. I want to challenge you today. If you're here today and you're not a Christ follower, the first step is stepping across that line and meaning it. God, I need you. And for those of us that are Christ followers, he's saying, God, I need you. I need you. Today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray with you. And if you're not a Christ follower, there's a prayer inside of our program that I want to point you to that will help you step, take that step across the line that you can become a Christ follower. And all that we ask you to do is that at the end of the, that you just check this box on the back of the connection card that says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower so we can pray for you this week. Would you stand with me now and let me pray for you? <clears throat> you know you are such a gun, good group of people. You know that. Matter of fact, I prayed for you last night. I prayed for you the night before that, the night before that, the night before that, the night before that. I just want you to know I love you. Can I tell you that before we pray? I just want you to know that. Some of you haven't been told that in a while, but I want to tell you something. I love you. I love you. You're good people and you're going up. If you're just, you're just going to go up. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you so much for these wonderful people that are here today, God. Lord, I pray today that those that don't know you that are taking that step across the line, that when they leave here, they're going to know you because they, they're taking that step. But Lord, the others, I pray today that you would just move in them, oh God, and help something that was said today. Holy Spirit, something that you've spoken to them, God, would you just move in them? And today, Father, we pray that you stir that faithfulness within us, oh God. And that you would do the work that we can't do on our own, God. Let your Holy Spirit prompt us to be better people. That our lives can go up. I pray this prayer today in the name of Jesus. Because you're a good God. And Lord, we want to seek deep into your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, sing this with us. Our prayer partners come down if you'd like for someone to pray with you. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.